It's 19 past 12 as we take your calls for gardening talk back on 49216216. And on the line, we've got Len from Stockton now. If this is the Len from Stockton I was talking to the other day, it's um, good to talk to you again, mate. Yeah, it's very good, mate. I, I just thought I'd ring you both up, you and Charlie, and uh, the uh, bindies and the clover is all gone. Good, good. So, Len, for anyone that uh, doesn't know what we're talking about, you phoned a couple of weeks ago and you were having trouble uh, with the with the lawn, with the bindies and etc. And the clover, and yeah. it was in buffalo grass. Yeah, and so and you came and got some other poison as well. That work out all right for you, man? Yeah, no. What, what I did was when I won the rose, which yes. is now flowering, it's it's going beautiful. I bought some um, some stuff that you put on uh, citrus fruit, passion fruit strawberries, all that sort of thing, and tomatoes, and I've sprayed it all, and everything's going terrific. I'm even having beautiful strawberries for lunch. Oh, Oh, well, that's that's one happy person there. Good on you, Len. Thanks for the call. We're going to go to Craig now in Glendale. Craig, a question for Scott about your jacaranda tree. How can we help you, Craig? Well, uh, let me explain the problem. Okay, I've got uh, bought a jacaranda tree two years ago, put in really good soil, well-drained, Fertilised, started to grow, uh, and about in six months lost all its leaves and never got any leaves back. It's still alive, right? But in two in two years, it's got no leaves, nothing. Okay, so it's still when you have you been cutting back some of the uh, branches to see if it's still green? Yes. So it is still green. That's that's very unusual. All I, I would keep on watering it. Um, jacaranda trees are notoriously slow when they start up. Sometimes it takes them about four years to sort of get a get go. Um, they're they're mm-hmm. yeah, quite a slow tree to start, and then all of a sudden they take off. Uh, look, there's you know the old trick of you know give it a kick and <laughs> see see if that happens. So, but the be- the best thing to do is just you know really soak it with water, um, try and get that sap stream moving with it. Give it a really good fertilise with some uh, cow manure, for instance. Yeah, and see what see what happens then. Um, look, if not, it might be worth you know pulling it out and starting again. But look, certainly good fertilised, good water. Um, yep. Give it a clip, of, you know, behind the ears and see what happens with it. <laughs> what about what about? Um, did you ever see that movie, The Fastest Indian? You know, we did do a lemon tree. Would that help? Uh, now, what did you do with the lemon tree on that again? Uh, well, he urinated on it. Oh. <laughs> 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 look, it's worth giving a go. Yeah, look, if you've had a few beers, mate, uh, give it a go and see what oh, happens. Goodness. Thanks, Craig. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> Actually, we've spoken about jacaranda trees before. You're not a fan, are you, because of the mess they make? No, and I've, we're going to talk about uh, rubbish trees today, and guess what was on one of, on my list of rubbish trees? Jacaranda <laughs> <The> trees? <laughs> it was. Oh, see, I just adore them, but my husband has to clean up the, the flowers, so he's with you. He okay. can't stand I'm not, them. I'm not taking it off my list. Okay, all right, it's on the list, it's got to stay. Uh, we're taking your calls, 49216216. And on the line we've got Rosemary from Corlett. Uh, you need some help with some bulbs, Rosemary. I'm just wondering what you can leave in the ground. Sorry, what you can leave in the ground? Yeah, between seasons. Oh, look, if you want to, you can leave any bulb in the ground between seasons. Uh, that's that's not a problem. People often lift, ah. people lift them out and take them so they know where they are. And they keep them in a in a controlled situation so that they don't rot away. You know, if we get too much rain or something like that. But look, if you don't want to go and lift your bulbs out, you can just leave it. You know, nature to take its course like it does in the wild, and just leave those bulbs in the ground and see what pops up next year. And they'll survive that. They certainly will. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 
wow. Okay, and dendrobiums, mine are all out in flower at the moment, looking yes. gorgeous. But I can't remember what to repot them in or whether to whether I can repot them after they've flowered. Yeah, look, you certainly you know? can. Yeah, you can repot them after they've flowered. You need to get a specialised mix for the, your dendrobiums, and usually it's a very coarse and well-drained mix that you get. So make sure you get one of those. Uh, look, always, of course, wait until the plants finish flowering and then give it a go, and it should be right again to flower next year. Can I use chip bark, compost, and dynamic lifter like I did with the um, other things, the cymbidiums? I'd probably be, I'd steer clear of using the dynamic lifter. It's going to be a little bit strong. Uh, always the safest and best thing to do is go and get a specific mix that's uh, designed for dendrobiums or, you know, cymbidiums. It, we're just always, there's, all, there's lots of different mixes you can buy now on the market and it's definitely best to go and yeah, get Yeah, it's those. usually a bit dearer though. I was just thinking economy-wise. Yeah, look, look true, but it, if you've got those really nice plants, you know, a couple of extra dollars, it's not going to break the bank. I think it's the best thing to do. Yeah, sometimes you do have to pay more for the right stuff, don't you, Scott? Uh, my grandmother had some sayings about that that I just don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you get what you pay for? Something like yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> you sound like my grandmother. <laughs> it's 24 past 12 on Gardening Talk Back and taking your calls on 49216216. Now, Scott, you've brought in a really pretty um, picture of a pink flower called the Alstromeria. I should just bring in the whole plant, shouldn't I? But yeah, so I can smell it. Yeah, and... It doesn't, doesn't fit on the back of the vest, but I get blown <laughs> apart. So you bring the brochure instead. Yeah. It's the easiest way. Uh, look, it's Alstromeria. There's a whole lot of different Alstromerias. Uh, some people call them princess lilies. This one I've, I've brought in today is a very, very vibrant pink one. It's called Pink. Me pink. Um, look, they're fantastic for cut flowers. In fact, if you go down to the, your local florist, chances are you'll be able to um, buy them down. I think uh, we went and got some for the lady across the road the other day over oh, at Bell Flora, so they've certainly got them. But there's lots of different alstroemias you can get and grow in the garden. They're pretty tough. Um, they'll take full sun, part shade. Uh, there's oranges, um, reds, and this beautiful, beautiful pink one. Uh, once they're in the ground and going, they're fairly drought tolerant and uh, are just a nice plant to have um, for you know a range of conditions in the garden. So perfect this time of year as well. They'll be looking they're really beautiful. Flowering right now. How lovely. We're going to go to Brendan now. Brendan, a question for Scott. It revolves around passion fruits and one on jasmine. Hello. Um, I'm just calling about, I've got a, the Sestra Nocturna, my trooks have come across and took the top off it, it's only ankle high, um, and I'm wondering what I can do to keep it going well. Okay, so you've got Sestra Nocturna, have you, mate? Yeah. Yeah, okay, look, some people call that deadly nightshade, because in the night it does, you know, smell smell beautiful. Yeah, it smells very beautiful. Uh, look, some people think it's a bit weedish uh, because it can sucker around the garden. Um, mate, in my experience, um, if someone's um, given it a prune back, it's probably going to come back stronger. It's a very, very tough plant. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be concerned about that. Um, I'd be more concerned about sort of containing it nicely in the, in the garden so that it doesn't, um, you know, keep on spreading. Yeah. Uh, look, they can be quite a rangy sort of um, plant that, spread, you know, that um, gets quite sparse. So a good prune back if you've got it um, every now and again is a great thing and enjoy the uh, fragrance at the night. So really nothing to do with passion fruit or jasmine there? <laughs> that cool? Yeah, look, some people might call it Sestrum uh, jasmine, okay. but yeah, uh, look, it's called deadly nightshade. Okay, well, yes. someone who does want to talk about passion fruit, Diane and Diane's in Gateshead. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. A passion fruit pot problem. Yes, I'm afraid so. Um, I had this passion fruit for about a year. That's when I planted it, about 12 months ago. It bared some fruit, about half a dozen lovely passion fruit, 
Now it is having heaps and heaps, trillions of flowers, and they're not turning into little green passion fruit. Now, this is, this is the problem with passion fruit. They're very optimistic plants. They love setting flower. Um, they love trying to reproduce. Uh, but what happens is they, they set too much, and then the plant just can't handle, handle it. So it, it will drop a lot of that, or it just won't form into fruit. Now, the thing to do is to go to your local garden center and grab a product. Uh, it's just called potash. It's fantastic yep. for any flowering and fruiting plant. And you mix that up in the watering can and you water that around the plant. Now, it's not an instantaneous thing. It's not like it goes up through the, you know, the, the system of the plant <laughs> and all of a sudden the flowers are great. It's something that you build up in the soil you know, over a period of a couple of months and then you keep on using it because it's always being sucked out of the, the soil by these flowering plants. So uh, potash, um. it's called, a great thing. Um, the other thing you can do as well, Di, if you want to make sure that you know you get some fruit this time, you can actually just go and, and pick some of those flowers off, so that the flowers that are remaining have all the strength of the plant going into them, and you get oh, some fruit. Oh, okay. So potash, yep, potash. Make sure it's being well watered in, in the interim period. If you just want to go and pick some flowers off, and um, you could probably even take them inside for a couple of days, and they'll look nice for you. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thank you very much that, for your help. That's all right, Di. Thank you. And we'll Bye-bye. go to Bullroarer Heights now. Graham, welcome to Gardening Talkback. And how can we help you? Um, it's about um, passion fruit as well and, and um, nectarine. Yes. How you going, Scott? Oh, look, I'm doing pretty well, mate. How can we help you with your uh, passion fruit? Well, um, I've had a um, real good crop of passion fruit this year. It's the best crop I've had. Yeah. But all of a sudden, the leaves have all died off. Is it telling me that that's the last bunch of passion fruit? Large lot of passion fruit, and I'm going to get off it. Oh, look, it could be. How old's the plant, mate? Uh, I'll be, it'd be a few year old. Yeah, okay. Look, I always think of passion fruit. They've only got a certain lifespan, and usually that's five, seven years before they start oh. to get a bit, you know, old and creaky, um, like me. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> what, mate. The, the, the thing to do with passion fruit is after a couple of years, get, plant another one and let it grow up through the existing one. Oh, yeah. And then... Over time, the old one will start to die out, and then you've got the new one there, and you'll have this seamless transition of passion fruit. So you'll never even know that the old one's gone. The old one's gone. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I've, I've planted another couple ones down further down, yeah. down the backyard. You know, I put a grafted one in as well as an Ellie Kelly one. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll try that. I'll, I'll try putting another one there where that one was. And, Graham, your question about nectarines really quickly. Yeah. Um, with me nectarines, I. I I uh, rang up a while back about the um, leaf curling up. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I've been using that eco oil. Yes, how'd that go for you, mate? Yeah, good. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's, yep. that's really good, but the um, the uh, nectarines have, have fallen off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're about the size of a thumb. Yes. And they, you know, you touch them, they just fall off. Okay. Look, that that could be a fungal disease with, with the nectarines, uh, like a blossom end rot that they can get. Um, look, unfortunately, once it's to that point, it's a bit late. You usually have to spray when the, the flower's actually out. And the other thing that we were just suggesting to uh, die before about a passion fruit, and it's great for all flowering and fruiting plants, is to use potash just to strengthen up that, that flowering um, material and the fruiting material. So, look, I, I'd use the uh, potash now just to try and get it into the soil. Next year, when it's um, fruiting time and you've got those flowers on there, grab a fungicide like copper oxychloride or Mancozet Plus, spray that to try and protect from any uh, 
uh, fungal diseases, diseases that are around. Oh, I got that one out <laughs> yeah, there. That was a mouthful. <laughs> we are sticking with the stone fruit. Next, we will be back and looking at apricot trees. It is two on URFM's Gardening Talkback. Thanks to our sponsor, Sharp City Gardener in Merriweather. And checking in with the coastal waters next. It's Marty Robbins on 2NURFM as we do Gardening Talkback. This is the time where if you have any questions at all, concerns, suggestions about the garden, you can give us a call, 49216216. And Scott, we've had a couple of callers today say, hey, the advice you gave me a while ago really worked. It's a bit nice. It is a bit nice, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, people I'm saying nice things about me. I, I think you do know what you're talking about uh, now. Well, hey, what have you thought before this? <laughs> <laughs> Never you mind. Oh. <laughs> uh, we're going to take more calls now on 49216216. And Kerry from Gateshead, you've got some problems with your apricot. How can we help you? Yes, good afternoon. Uh, put it in this year in um, the proper time, middle of uh, June, and it sprouted from the top of the prunings only. It hasn't, it's got, got a metre of uh, limbs with no leaves or anything on them. It's just sprouted from the cuttings on the top. Right, okay, so yep. I've got four bushy bushy nodules on the top with leaves and blossom on and nothing down the stems. Look, the only way you're going to get that to, to come back down the stem is to actually prune a little bit yourself to try and give it the message, um, look, hey, I don't want you to grow here, I want you to grow elsewhere out of the plant. So if you do right. prune there, then you'll get some, uh, some uh, you know, buds coming out from lower down and then they'll, they'll sprout off for you then. So it'd be best to wait till uh, fall and do it then. Look, I, I think so this time. Just let it grow, let it get some energy, let it build up its root system in under the ground. Uh, yep. and, and at that time, once it's lost all its leaves, if you're still unhappy with the shape then, that would be the time to give it a prune back and let it sprout yeah. back from down below. It's got a going. beautiful shape to it, but they're all bald. Nothing wrong with the bald either. Three, no. going to be three metres high and one metre bald. <laughs> Hey, it could be quite good looking. Uh, <laughs> it could be. Too, very the old, similar the old, to me. The dome on the plant. <laughs> if, if I cut it back right down to uh, where the stems start to shoot out, this should be okay, or uh, just say a, a foot or so off it. Yeah, look, I wouldn't go down. I'd only do that that foot or so. Usually, you, you just give the the um, that new growth that uh, you know about a third of the plant a, a bit of a tidy up at that time. Of right. Year. So I wouldn't go down too low. Otherwise, you might get a really sort of odd shaped tree at that time. A bushy tree. Yeah, and, 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 you st- and you still want to have a main leader coming up. So just, I'll just give it that light prune back once it's... Yeah, well, it's got five main leaders and it's a beautiful shape. But uh, as I said, leaves just on the top. So I'll do that then. Now, wait till fall and then I'll uh, give it a light prune back. Okay. Good yeah. on you, Thanks, Kerry. Kerry. Let's go to Pat now, who's in Stroud. Pat, uh, some issues with your lemon tree. You've got no flowers or fruit on them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Nothing's happening. It's about six or seven years old. Apart from that, it looks quite healthy, but uh, yeah, not much happening in the way of fruit or uh, flowers. So, uh, Pat, do you uh, fertilise the plant very much? No, I don't. Um, I've used no fertiliser at all. Now, I I, um, I would look. I know from experience, you've got a few uh, chook farms up your way on the way to Stroud because I actually went and bought a, an old Windrush catamaran up at Stroud a year or so ago. Oh, which a very strange, beautiful place, Stroud. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I know you've got some chook farms on the way, so some uh, chook manure would be fantastic for that tree. Uh, they they really like poultry manure. Uh, now, if it's got grass around it, I'd move the, you know dig some of the grass out around the tree so that it's yep. got um, you know a clear run at it. So and then. Sp- 
cover that in chook manure, a really good load, and water that in and try and get some, uh, you know, some extra growth and some fruiting onto the tree that way. And again, if you've got some potash, you can water that into the soil as well and start building that up. But I think uh, a good dose of chook manure and try and, uh, you know, bounce that tree out of its, you know, sort of semi-dormancy that it's in. Okay, thanks. Okay. This is the right time to do it, right time of year to do it. Yeah, look, it? certainly is, Pat. If it's not performing at the moment, um, you've got to give it a, a go now. And we're going to go to Marion from Adamstown. You've been invaded. I have. <laughs> oh, dear. This sounds sinister. Yes. <laughs> yes, and they've completely stripped the, tra- the rose bush, the grasshoppers. Oh, those nasty, nasty grasshoppers. You know, yeah, so is there anything I can do? Yes, um, it's called a pair of scissors. Um, usually you find them in the uh, in the kitchen drawer and you go out there and you cut their heads oh, off. Oh, you've said that before. Oh, that's so brutal. I, I don't catch them. They're like, they hop away. Ah, so they're, they're, they're not cleverer than you, are they, Marion? They are. Oh. <laughs> I've got a big may bush next to it and a... Um, another big tree next to it so the rose is in the middle they just hop from one to the other right so look now the only the only way to do that is with grasshoppers you have to actually contact them with an insecticide yeah. Uh, so if you go and uh, grab uh, some malathon or some carbaryl, that will certainly get rid of grasshoppers for you and you're able to spray that on your roses, on your ornamental plants. Yeah. Uh, so some carbaryl will do it for you. How uh, do you spell that? Uh, hey. uh, C-A-R-B-A-R-Y-L. Yeah. Uh, carbaryl. And uh, mm-hmm. yep, you spray that all over. Uh, and when you see them there, if you contact on them, that will get rid of them. Look, the trouble with grasshoppers is they are so quick moving, they can come from your next door neighbour or somewhere else. So, you know, you have a spray and walk away and, you know, mm. a couple of hours later they've come back. Um, so, yeah, give that a try. If not, uh, resort to the scissor method. At least you feel a <gasps> you, whole lot better about you it. You can't kill Jiminy Crickets, uh, oh. cousin. Oh, no, I couldn't. Uh, all right, thank you. Thank you. Thank see you, Marion. very much. Bye. Um, and hello to Alan in Metford. Welcome to Gardening Talk Back. What's your question for Scott? Uh, look, just a quick question about Cymbidium orchids. Yes. People tell me that they will grow by stem cuttings. Is this correct? I've only, look, I think this is back to the black art of um, Cymbidium growing and talking to the Orchid Society guys. That's a little bit beyond my realm. I've only ever seen them um, grown by division. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, you get the bulb and you split them and go that way. Uh, Look, I'm sure that, you know, if you could take a cutting and propagate that, but I would definitely talk to the Hunter Coalfields Orchid Society yeah. and um, ask those guys there. They know all sorts of things about orchids that I don't know. There's potions, there's cauldrons, they've got hats, they've got secret meetings. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd give those guys a call and talk to them about that. But certainly, Cymbidiums, yes, by division, is the, is the usual way to, um, to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, then. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thanks, Alan. Bye. We're going to play Little River Bend now as it kicks on in every day of my life. We'll come back and chat to Alex from Lawn and taking more of your calls on 49216216. And, of course, Scott, with uh, summer just around the corner, we need to get the water-wise rules for gardens. A lot oh. of people unsure about that. And taking more calls, 49216216. And on the line we've got Alex from Lawn. I was hoping you were going to have a problem with your lawn, Alex, but I believe they're grevilleas. <laughs> Yeah, Gravillias at this moment. Thanks for taking me call. I've uh, developed spots on the leaves. They've yes. been in six to eight weeks. They're only young. They've started to flower, but they're dropping their leaves. And now, or one is in particular, but it's got little brown spots on the leaves. 
Uh, look, Grevilleas can get a, get fungal diseases. So, uh, look, my first port, port of call on this would be to get some uh, fungicide like copperoxychloride or Mancozeb Plus and uh, spray that on there. Yep. Um, look, and if that's not working, then it could be a mite which is attacking the plant. So there's little sting marks on the leaves and then it starts to, you know, you get necrosis around there and the leaf starts to die out. So you'd yeah, have The to, others aren't affected. It's only the one. Yeah, it's only the one. Uh, so... Yeah. Look, I'd grab a fungicide first, give them all right a spray just to make sure if that's not working, um, you know, you've sort of arrested that problem, uh, go grab a miticide like eco-oil and give that a spray and try and, if it's okay. a mite, and try I've and arrest it. got eco-oil in the shed now. Well, mate, if you've got that, give that a, a try quickly, um, okay. you know, today, or just check, you know, it's not going to be too hot, looks like it's cooling down. Yeah, um, it's all right to mulch them because that's what I've done, I've sugar mulched it all. Yeah, look, with grevilleas, I probably wouldn't mulch too heavily and if so, I all would right. certainly okay. just move back away from the stem of the plant so they don't get cold. All right. Yeah. I'll do that. Okay, thanks, mate. Fantastic. Thank you. Cheers. And crossing Cheers. to Charlestown, we've got Ben and a problem with your parsley plant, Ben. Yes, I have. I can't believe it, Ben. How can you have problems with parsley? It's got to be the, the toughest, <laughs> easiest plant. Oh, this, is a, this is a wind-up, isn't it? What's going on here? What's really going on? <laughs> give me a break. Some of it's all right and some of it's not. I put two two types in, the flat leaf and the crinkly one, the one I prefer. Yes. And they are all looking fantastic, except the flat leaf one, they all went straight to seed. So what have I done wrong? Look, I, I reckon with parsley, and I reckon with a lot of herbs, you know, coriander, the best thing to go to do is to go out and cut them, even if you're not going to be using them. That, that sort of stops them flowering and going to seed, and it keeps all that nice, fresh, new growth coming up. So ah. even if I go and use some flat leaf parsley from my backyard, it's actually, I think, about the only herb I've got growing out there. And so if I can grow it out there and it's not dying in that magic Carrington soil, <laughs> then, uh, look, you, I don't know how you're doing this with, <laughs> with parsley. I always go out and cut far too much than I yeah. need, and then it comes back really nicely and full from that for when I use it the next week or so. Okay. Now, the other thing that could be happening is you might have, you know, a reversal. You might have too much potassium in the soil. It's forcing it out to seed all the time. So another thing to do is just to make sure that you're fertilizing with a high nitrogen fertilizer. So even just use a little bit of, uh, you know, chook poo around there. That's uh, heaps of nitrogen in that, and that will just... Um, oh, know. well, that's, that's what they're in, actually. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, one, one lot are behind a long strip of strawberries that are in chook poo. Yeah. And, uh, and they've gone to seed, and the other lot uh, are where a passion fruit turned its toes up on me, so I've just put a couple of tomatoes and some parsley in there. And as I said, the crinkly leaf one looks fantastic, mm -hmm. but the uh, the flat leaf one, it's uh, it's just gone to God. Yeah, well, look, in that case, I'll just go out and use the, the prune back method just to, try okay. and, yeah, just to try and keep it from going to seed. Look, it works for me. If it works for me, I reckon <laughs> it's going to work for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, then well, I'll try that. Okay, thanks, thanks ben. ben. Appreciate it. Let's go to Brenda now. How can we help you, Brenda? Um, I've got a cyclamen, beautiful flowering cyclamen. Uh, it's coming to the end of its season, and I don't really know how to look after it over the hot summer, summer months so that it'll flowering in next year. So, Brenda, uh, just for listeners, cyclamen die back usually during this time of year. That said, I've had one that went for 18 months out in almost the full sun and kept going. It was, oh. a, ma it was a magic plant. I don't know how it did it. It was tough. Oh. Uh, but, Brenda, for the best thing to do with the cyclamen is to, you know, take it out to the garden in a nice shady spot, 
uh, and just you know sort of stick it in under some trees or something like that in the pot that it's in. Um, go out and water it occasionally. Um, use some bulb fertilizer on it if you've got occasionally, um, right. but g- generally just leave it out there in the garden um, in that shady spot so it's not getting baked by the heat of the sun. And, you know, it gets a little bit of water every now and again. And hopefully it'll come back for you, you know, about April or so next year. Thank you very much. I shall try that. And once it comes up, just keep on fertilising it and watering it as normal. Now, speaking of it getting hotter, uh, summer, not too far away. A lot of people unsure of the water rules, Scott. Can you shed some light on what we can and can't do when it comes to watering our beloved plants and Yes, garden? I certainly can because Hunter Water, they'd love you to think that, um, you know, gardeners aren't allowed to use hoses or sprinklers or anything ever again. Okay, if you've got a pool, you can go and fill your pool up willy-nilly. Yeah. That's fantastic. You can wash your car <laughs> as much as you want. But if you've got a garden, I mean, it's... He's Ooh. only slightly bitter. I'm not, yeah, it's, it's just a funny sort of uh, attitude they've got towards it. But anyway, we're going to do our best here to try and, you know, undermine <laughs> underwater as much as I can. Uh, look, there are three key rules are, and they're not bad ideas. All handheld hoses must have a trigger nozzle. You know, that's, yeah. that's common sense. So water's just not running, you know, willy-nilly down the, down the gutter all the time. And now, watering with a sprinkler, irrigation system or hose is permitted any day before 10 a.m. or after 4 p.m. So it's only those hours in the middle of the day okay. that you're not allowed to go and so use. So sprinkler on before 10 and then after uh, 4 in the afternoon. Yes. So and before look, and after work. Yeah. And their idea with that is that it, it, you know, you're going to avoid water wastage because you know it's due to evaporation. The only trouble is, under water, is that's when plants are going to be hot and thirsty and when the sun's blazing and they're going to die. But... So, you know, that's, that's one of the rules. Unfortunately, we have to abide by it. You know, sensible watering at that time of the day, you know, not just letting your, your sprinkler system yeah. mist around, can actually save plants during that time. You can go out with a watering can, though, and save your plants in the middle of the day. It's just you're not allowed to have, you know, your sprinkler system going. You can have your click handheld hose going at that point in time, but you just can't have that sprinkler system okay. going. So, Scott, is that a myth that if you water your plants in the middle of the day, it can burn them? Look, I have heard that happen on a couple of, you know, certain plants like agaves where the water will actually bead on there and and form like a magnifier for the sun to go through and burn it. But if you're watering sensibly with your watering can or with your your, um, handheld hose at the root system of the plant, then it's not going to be on the leaves and it's going to be quite good for the plant. You're watering directly into the soil. It's absorbing that up and the plant survives through that period of time. Uh, And, of course, no hosing of hard surfaces such as concrete paths and driveways use a broom, common (laughs) sense again. But one thing that they don't want you to to know, and they try and hide it down here in the fine print on their uh, website, is that watering systems can be used to establish new lawns and gardens for up to 14 days from installation. So if you've stuck in some new plants... Yeah, and or some new lawn. I didn't know about that one. You're allowed to go and water um, all day if you need to to keep your garden alive to get it through that initial period of 14 days to keep it going. Well, thank you for shedding some light, Scott. And we're going to cross now to Rod and Cardiff. Uh, Your tomatoes have flowers, but no tomatoes, Rod. Uh, That's correct. What have you been feeding them with, Rod? Um, I give them potash early in the piece, probably six, six weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, a couple of f- foods of fry. 
yeah, that's fine. So keep on doing that. Just make sure they're being well watered. Um, tomatoes, you know, really vascular plant. They're, they're quick growing. They suck up a lot of water just to form, you know, the actual structure of the plant. And then once the tomatoes are there, they need to keep them nice and juicy. They're sucking up a lot of water as well. So, look, Rod, sounds like you're doing all the right things. Make sure it's being well watered. Uh, keep on using the potash or the uh, liquid fertiliser that you mentioned. And yes. um, just keep on doing that, and, it, you know, it should come good for you. Right. So uh, give them a little bit more potash. Oh, look, definitely. You can use that um, every week as, at the moment if you want to, Rod. Okay. And lucky last call today, Nolene in Raymond Terrace. How can Scott help you? Well, my husband saved all the ash out of the fire, the wood fire, and I want to know if I can mix it in with some um, potting mix to make it go further and how much would I put in it. That's, I thought you were going to blame your husband for something there, Noel. It sounded like you were lining him up and all of a sudden it was going to be something bad that he'd done, but he's, not no. a, he's a good husband, I'm sure. No. Uh, all blokes are good. Uh, Although I don't trust him in the garden. <laughs> look, uh, yeah, look, you can use ash like that, but what it's going to do is it's going to dramatically lower the pH of the soil or the potting mix that you're doing. I probably wouldn't do that. It will increase the drainage of the, uh, the potting mix um, very much, but it will also dramatically uh, you know, make it very alkaline. So I'd probably steer clear of doing that. Uh, in that case, Nolene, uh, just if you've got um, plants you want to really look after, just grab a really nice potting mix uh, that's specific for the plant that you're uh, that you're planting, and go and use that. I think it's the safest thing to do. We're just about out of uh, time now for calls. We've had so many today. Thank you. If you uh, did have a question, though, save it up for next Monday. Of course, we'll be back. Before we go, though, we've got to give away this sedum chocolate blob. You're going to quickly tell us about it, Scott. Oh, look, they look like a brain. They're a fantastic dry condition <laughs> plant full sun. They just grow out over the pots. They're spread out over the ground. Very easy to look after. Um, they're a fantastic plant. I didn't get to talk about my rubbish plants that only last for five minutes. That's because I knew you were going to do the jacaranda no, we're, we're, do, we're doing that next week. You're okay. not getting away All with right. that. <laughs> Fair enough. You're on to me. So who's going to win our prize? Uh, how about uh, Marion from Adamstown with her roses? Oh, beautiful. So Marion, you can pop in uh, to Sharp City Gardener in Merriweather and pick yourself up one of those sedum chocolate blobs that look like a brain. How much fun. Good on you, Scott. If I only had a brain. <laughs> We've got the local news coming up at one o'clock on 2NURFM 103.7.